I ran a small business before. So I know what it's like, no VC, no investment. And I did that for like a decade and I had fun and I enjoyed a great, great business and made a lot of impact in my community as well. And now as I start to deep dive and really look at going that route, I want to get this product out to the masses. I want to help women. I want to try to go big or go home at this point. What about if we put a little fuel to that fire? I want to take the chance for that. I want to take the chance for that for little Loretta now, because I didn't even know about this world. I didn't even know, you know, the possibility. Um, I didn't even know what you're supposed to use it for. Now I do, and just kind of have like a bigger understanding. So I kind of came to terms with, I'm okay if it doesn't happen, and I'm okay if it does. And if it does, that means that I attracted the right investors because I took desperation out of the equation. Uh Mike drop. Welcome to the iFund Women Show, where we are talking to one entrepreneur about one huge problem in her business, and we are going to help her solve it. I'm your host, Karen Kahn. My team and I founded iFund Women to help female entrepreneurs get access to the capital, the expert coaching, and the lucrative connections all designed to grow our ideas into profitable, sustainable businesses. Let's do this. All right, Kim Roxy, we are like having all the mercury and retrograde technology, not so greatness. I'm trying to <laughs> trying to watch my body now. It's like the technology shit sandwich that the mercury in retrograde has delivered to us on this morning. But here we are. And I'm wearing my Lamique eyebrow stuffity stuff. You're going to tell people what it's called that I got from Ulta Beauty, which you are now in. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. So exciting. So last time yeah. we talked to you, you had just gotten the contract. You couldn't say who it was for. Then we obviously all saw on the socials, but for our listeners who didn't listen to the first recording with Kim, it was so relatable for so many women. So go listen to that right meow. But Kim, tell us where you were, how you got the money to fulfill the order, obviously who it's with, and then how people can find your stuff. Yeah, um, And then we'll go into kind of like what's been going on since then. Okay. So like you said, last time we talked, I was like, I'm going into the largest beauty specialty retailer in the country. Like, I'm like, I'll tell you who it is. And it's Ulta.com. So Lamique is available on Ulta. That was huge for us. Um, Karen was probably <laughs> part of their first day shopping crew. She was talking about that Revelation Brow Duo. Um, and it was really birthed out of the fact that um, I was diagnosed with a form of alopecia and I suffered from hair loss. I went bald in my scalp, on my head, and then I lost my eyebrows. And um, I created this brow duo to fix that because <laughs> I needed brows. Your brows frame your face, come on. Necessity is the motherhood of invention. So I did not realize, I knew you had alopecia, but I didn't realize you lost all of your brow and that's why you created the brow duo. Cause yeah, it that's makes total sense because when I was talking to you before and I was asking you, is the makeup for, you said, you know, you were making it for women of color in mind, but really any woman could use it. And I was like, okay, cool. And so I went and bought and I actually, I found, not I actually, like you were right. I found my perfect shade and I'm very light skinned and my body hair is super light. At first I didn't notice it. But then when I sort of stepped away, I was like, oh, I just have my natural color brow, but it's like filled in. 
and it's yeah. like covering my few little gray brows, which I'm like, what the heck is that? <laughs> exactly. 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 It, and that's what I wanted. I mean, you don't want to have like this obnoxious dark brow that you can see it coming from down the street, right? You want to have, you want to have, you want to have a nice soft brow that really frames your face because your brows frame seventy five percent of your face. I did eyebrows for like seventeen years. I did eyebrows for so long. So when I lost my brows, I just was, you know, I, I just didn't know what to do because it's kind of like you lose what you're supposed to market. Right. And so, and also um, like your something on your face. I mean, that's, that is not being like irrational or anything. I think if you asked any woman about her hair, her brows, I think that with hair and you hear this a lot with obviously cancer um, survivors and, mm -hmm. you know, people that go through chemo, it's like the losing of the hair is so much more of a, an emotional journey around mm -hmm. your femininity. So I would imagine yep. that brows are kind of the same, to be honest. Yeah. Or similar. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's something that I wanted to address. This gave an opportunity to get it to a lot more women. And then when you think about the ingredients inside of it, I mean, you don't want to <laughs> try to fix a problem with another problematic product. So um, having the brow duo that's like made from 88% certified organic and natural ingredients is something that I want to really bring to the market. So launching Clean beauty. So yeah, great. Yeah. So launching on ultra.com was, was so huge. And the last time we talked, we were just on the brink of it. And, you know, and you I needed money. I remember you needed capital to, yeah. to fulfill the order. So how did you do that? I did it the Karen Conway. No, I did <laughs> Good. Oh, shit. Scrappy, <laughs> scrappy AF. Good for you, though. Period. Tell us how Period. you did it. Period. So I did it through grants. Shout out to iPhone Women. I did it too. I did it with pitch competitions, and I did it with revenue from products sold. That's so great. The best funding is revenue. And you have such a sick profit margin that you, had pro you were profitable. You had profits. So- yes. But you essentially invested that back into the business. Period. Yeah. Period. That's yes. so, Kim, I'm so happy for you because getting on that VC hamster wheel, and I think that you mentioned at some point that you are thinking about going down that path. Yeah. I would say think long and hard before you do it. So can we talk about that? If you're, yeah, if you're like on the cusp of trying to decide. Yeah. 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 You know, I was asking you those questions last time on how to, tell my story around it to make it happen. So we definitely can discuss it. Well, where's your head at in terms of actually wanting to raise venture capital and needing to raise venture capital? Because usually people don't, well, in, in sort of like the olden times of two years ago, before <laughs> like we started really talking about like, VC is not the greatest thing in the whole world. And honestly, for women, it sucks. It's demoralizing. It's like the worst process ever. Only 2.3% of us get it. And then women of color numbers are even worse. But I think that even with this like whole quote unquote movement of like funding, you know, women and minorities and blah, blah, blah. It's like, there's so much airplay. I can't, I'm just so over it. That's like my mindset right now. I'm just over it because it's such a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> Unless you are like in like the, the, the deep tech or deep data space or like AI robotics, bio 
I mean, and direct to consumer is still getting heavily funded. So actually you're, you're in the zone, but my question, I'm more on a ramble slash a question. The question for you is, have you really thought about whether you want to go down this rabbit hole? Because once you get venture capital investors, you are on a hamster wheel forever until you exit. And not every business needs to go down this hamster wheel, especially profitable businesses. So I'm wondering what your thoughts are around like your capital needs. So a part of that question you asked is my thoughts around it, right? And I think for me, and this was our conversation from last time, I ran a small business before. So I know it is like no VC, no investment. My mom gave me $500. Shout out to Loretta. So I know what that's like, right? And I know, and I did that for like a decade. So I know what that's like. And I had fun and I enjoyed a great, great business and made a lot of impact in my community as well. And I know what that's like. So just about three years ago, I even learned about VC funding, you know, and I learned about the numbers and all of that stuff and how things went. And now as I start to deep dive and really look at, going that route or not going that route and all of that. I think for me, I want to get this product out to the masses. I want to help women. I want to try to go big or go home at this point. And love that for you. I love it. Yeah. That's sort of how I feel. I mean, like I said, I've been a small business owner before and I know the impact I made and, and, and what happened. What about we put a little fuel to that fire? What can we do? And I want to take the chance for that. I want to take the chance for that for little Loretta now. Big Loretta planted the seed. Um, now I have little Loretta, and I want to, I want to see what that'll be like for her, you know, and her legacy, and just even more girls coming up because I didn't even know about this world. I didn't even know, you know, the possibility. Um, I didn't even know what you're supposed to use it for. Now I do, and just kind of have like a bigger understanding. So I kind of came to terms with, I'm okay if it doesn't happen, and I'm okay if it does. And if it does, that means that I attracted the right investors because I took desperation out of the equation. You're very, I, I don't want to say you're lucky. You've, you've worked and you've built the business and it's profitable and you don't need like, as in like need the money to keep living and to mm-hmm. keep, you know, doing the, doing the business, Right. but you want to scale, you want to grow, yep. you want to go big or go home. Yep. And so that's awesome. That is so powerful. Good for you, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to do that because the community deserves it. The product that we're building deserves it. I mean, we manufacture most of our products right here in Houston. I was just at the lab last week. What we're making is worth it. There's no product out there better than ours. And I sign. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> so check cashed. Um, so the point is, is that I think as female founders, anybody underestimated we have to get to that point to where we see ourselves that way. And it took me a long time to get here. So now that I'm here and I'm talking about the mindset, I'm not talking yeah. about that I've yeah. reached everything I want in, in my business. I'm just talking about the mindset. And so now that I've gotten here and I realized that this product is needed on a global scale, like internationally, all of that. And so I'm just like, look, we're going to, again, go after what's needed to help make this happen because people deserve to have this. People need better choices. And um, that's what we plan to do. I love it. Okay. So you are going to be raising a round of capital because you want to scale. 
are you in a mode right now where you're just kind of like trying to get your arms around who the investors would be, what your pitch is? Because I know you have a pitch deck and like, obviously you've got to like update it with all your new numbers and all your new partnerships and all that kind of stuff. But like, mm-hmm. where is your head at in terms of timing? Because as we talked about before, you know, first of all, raising any capital, whether it's through a beauty accelerator that's going to bring you overseas or whatever it is, anyone that's putting money into your company and taking ownership, it's a dating yes. process. Yes, they need is. to get to know you. It takes a long time and traditional VC can take even longer. And also you're running your business, which is, you know, the hardest part for founders and not just women founders, it's all founders. Um, although men do get 97% of the VC, so we're not going to feel bad for them for one second. So for women founders <laughs> who get three less than 3% of the VC, you know, we're parenting, we're running our businesses, we are doing all the things. And the most successful raises happen when you at least have a team or one ride or die, God forbid, whatever you decided you wanted to go and be a rocket. Yeah. Who would run Lamique? Do you have that person? Yeah, I do. I do. I have that person who can make decisions without me. Right. And who knows, you know, the SOPs of the business, you know, like all these different things, because even when you're looking at raising, you're almost like outside of your business. Sometimes, even though Yes, you are. That's exactly right. You are going to be, you can only focus on raising the capital or it's never going to get raised. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why like the fact that you have a second in command is like such a relief on my end to hear that. I kind of want to breathe a sigh of relief, but I'm not going to like breathe all in this microphone. That's weird. (laughs) But yeah, that, I mean, that's what you need because when we went out to raise our seed round, we had seven people, including Olivia, Sarah, who could run the business without me. And we had Maya and we had Steven, um, we had Zaina who has since left, but she's wonderful. Shout out to Zaina. But we had a team of people that could definitely run the business and keep the trains running, which was great because all I could do was focus. And it, I was not enjoying my job at that point, but all I did was focus on raising the round and it got done in a timely manner. But that's what you have to do. You have to be like, okay, team, this is all I am doing for the next two months. It can take longer than that. You are hardcore reaching out, getting meetings. It's all about getting as many of those first meetings as humanly possible and following up right away. I can focus on task at hand and get the meetings and get all the stuff done and go in and rock it. And then people are like, okay, great. Send us all your, uh, you know, financials, send us this, send us that. And for some reason, like, I don't know if it's like the adrenaline's all out of me by the end of the meeting, or I shouldn't be doing it alone, which is probably what it really boils down to. Like I should have someone on these calls with me taking notes and reminding me and helping me with follow-up, which is by the way, I just like talking to myself at this point, but I think for, I think this is actually decent advice and this doesn't have to be your ride or die. This could be, you know, an admin or your PA or something who is just like taking notes and afterwards like, okay, Kim, you owe this person, this, this person, this, it's due this time. Like, what can I do to help you get this stuff together? No, that's like crucial advice, actually, because it's all about the follow-up. It is all about the (laughs) follow-up. It's all about the follow-up. Thing about it is, is that when you are the person that does good on initiating things and getting things started, like the follow-up, that the amount of concentration that the follow-up takes um, is the part that sometimes hold the details to, to really unlock the door, but you you get lost because that takes time. Like, you know, following up, putting that part like, oh, this is 
it's almost like boring a little bit. And, and oh, totally. It's the worst part. Like I can, I, you and I, I feel like are like very similar yeah. in that. Like we yeah. can light that fire and people yeah. are like, yes, I want it. I'm like, okay, I lit the fire. I'm going back to work now going to coach somebody. Yeah. I'm going to like do a deal. Like I yeah. get really fired up about that. Yeah. Yeah. But the follow-up is key. Those are the people that raise the money. People that keep bugging the people with the check. Yep. Yep. And that's the reason why you actually just sort of confirmed something that I was thinking about doing um, oh. around the whole making the follow-up happen. Because I have someone who loves the details and loves spreadsheets and loves, you know, like, you know what I mean? Like, likes that part of things that just sort of other people get into and sort of just taking that person, even if it's already on your team. Because I know, to be honest, for a lot of us, the resources are slim. Mm -hmm. And so to think that we have like this, you know, big pie kind of created all this. No, people are doing dual roles, dual roles. You know what I mean? And of course, and it's good when you are a small team and everybody's kind of aware that our leader, our founder is on fundraising journey. You know what I mean? Like, yes. like everybody kind of being aware of that, even if it's just three of you, <laughs> like, yeah. like my team is like, it's like all of us know, like we know what's happening right now. So there's three of you, which is by the way, very normal. Have you ever looked into these um, remote personal assistants or remote administrative assistance? Because this could be a moment where you hire somebody in the short term mm -hmm. for a certain amount of hours a week and you're getting someone a job. Yep. And their job is literally to listen in on these calls, take notes and make sure your ass follows up. Yep, yep, yep. That could people. be a good use of funds. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna do that, most definitely. If it was not for this virtual world, I don't think we would have made the strides we made over the past yeah, you're exactly right. Like if we didn't have this virtual world, if we didn't have zoom, if we didn't have zoom competitions and all these ways to connect, first of all, she and I wouldn't know each other. Seriously. Her business wouldn't have skyrocketed. Our business wouldn't have skyrocketed. So like, yes. And we wouldn't have connected like on a deep level. When I think about you, I think business and all that stuff. We also know each other on a deeper level. That's where the magic is to me, really being able to connect with humans. But I have to tell you though, Kim, I've been a little bit more out and about in the real world lately. And <laughs> I feel so much better in my soul from having a conversation with people in person. I don't know. Have you been out and about at all? Or you have a little one. So you're kind of still in what's happening in your social life. You know, I have a different kind of setup over here. Um, I am, we really co-parent, like, you know what I mean? I'm not like, yeah. mom. I'm not like mom trying to do it all. I'm not that. Oh, mom. I know. We've talked um, about your husband on the yeah, pod yeah. before. He's amazing. Yeah. He was with yeah. the babies when you went to yeah. Uh, yeah. Austin. Yeah. 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 Oh, so, that's so, good. So, um, I did say that to say I have been out. So, you know, getting out more and right. getting out more, but only like, to be honest, when I have to though, it's not like, you know, I'm just going just to be going. It's kind of like, no, I, I need to be that particular place kind of thing. What I find is, is that, so Karen, this pandemic actually helped me because I was always out with people. I, you know, I ran a brick and mortar makeup shop for 14 years. I was always with people. It's right. never been not with people. You right. know what I'm saying? So like really when I launched Lamika's e-commerce in you know, tech enabled beauty brand, I was like somebody trying to be that. So the pandemic helped me be that. And it gave me 
the opportunity to be that versus, because I would always revert back to just being with people. Like, of you know, if, if I couldn't have figured out how to sell makeup online, I would have just went and tried to be with people to try to sell it. Well, the pandemic made it so I could not even try to be with people to try to sell it, right? So I had to figure it out online. So this actually helped me so much because if it wasn't for the pandemic, I would have just reverted back and I probably wouldn't be building a scalable company right now because I would have went back to my comfortable place. The pandemic made me really uncomfortable and it made me zone to a place that I that I wanted to become. And I'm almost like getting teary-eyed because like you just don't know how hard it was for me to figure out online stuff. And so this pandemic really helped me to become what I wanted to be in my head, to be honest, grateful. Uh, Kim, I have chills. That is, you're always so thoughtful and interesting to talk to. And I say thoughtful first because you really, really, really think about how things have impacted you, whether it's positively or negatively. But at the end of the day, whenever you show up for our conversations, and not that this is expected because you can let it all hang out, like whatever you want to say is fine. Yeah. But what I admire so much about you is how you think about these huge things like the pandemic and being shut in, you almost like the lemonade stand becomes open for you. When there are lemons thrown in your way, you are, you seem like the type of person that takes a beat, thinks about it, and really just starts squeezing those lemons for the lemonade. And you're like, what kind of sugar do I want to use? And you know, how sweet should it be? And you start tinkering and then you're like testing out the lemonade and seeing how it's going to scale. You know, one day, I'll be able to explain, you know, who I see you as, you know, but I think that you give that vibe to all of us all the time. And you have, I have to love on Karen for a second because she is a good Karen. She is the <laughs> original, but you do that for us all the time by being so authentic and, and you let it hang out all the time. And we love, we hang on to that. Like we hang on to every word you say because you let it all hang out. So oh God. Like we're hanging on to all of it. I mean, but listen, I, you know, I don't have all the answers. I mean, that's the thing. I'm living the journey with you guys. Yeah. I mean, truly I am living the journey with you and I don't have all the answers, especially with the more advanced entrepreneurs. Like you and I are living the same journey, you know, like we raised a seed round, but now we've got to raise another round of capital. If we're going to go out and raise a series A, which is our trajectory, the people that we've talked to, the funds that we've talked to want iPhone women to do at least 15 to $20 million in a series A. I'm like, okay, well, what's the value of the company? How much of my company am I selling? So we have to have a valuation of at least 50 million, which I'm not one of these people that's in for these like frothy valuations and then doing a down round. Like I'm not about that life. We are profitable this year and we want to continue to be profitable. And that's great from an investor perspective. Cause when you think like five or 10 years down the road, if we want to exit or go public, if you want to exit, you have to have a ton of cash on your balance sheet. Cause mm-hmm. why would some company buy you? When we look at our exit, which is not going to be for a while, cause we're not thinking about it right now. Cause we're just literally, feel, I feel like we're just getting started. Mm-hmm. We look at our exit. Let's just say in like five years, we exit for $750 million. That's when our investors who came in at the $5 million valuation, they're great people right. who have supported right. iFund Women from the jump when it was just an, you know, a little platform. Do the math on that. The investors that you have now came on because they believe in you and your team. I, I think it's, it's like a natural flow for you to actually go that route. You just gave me the chills. I'm like, okay, I think I'm doing it. This might inspire you, my friend, to do the same thing. I'll be the guinea pig. 
and keep you posted along the way, like for real, like the good, the bad, the ugly. You've always been that for me. Yeah. That's that's exactly right. I think we're going to do this like ASAP. Oh my God. Holy shit. Okay. I got to go. We got to wrap this up because I got to go get my act together. Listeners, we are doing these sort of follow-up jammy jams with our wonderful family of iPhone women entrepreneurs who we already interviewed just to see how they were doing and like what was going on. And obviously we know that Kim achieved her goal of getting her product into Ulta Beauty. So go to Ulta.com and buy that brow duo right meow. I am telling you, I use it every day. It's so easy. It is well-priced. Oh, and my daughter freaking stole the brow gel. She's like, all I need is brow gel. And she just like walked out with it. I'm like, that's great. I love her. (laughs) That's great. 14 year old who looks like Giselle. Um, But yeah, the brow gel is dope. But so everybody go to Ulta.com and buy Lamique's products. So you just heard the update from Kim Roxy and you heard more of an update from me. So um, the journey continues as does entrepreneurship. So thank you for listening and we will see you next time.